and it's just an honor and a privilege to praise God and worship alongside of you, amen. I hope you'll join with me and, and just enter right in, amen. Nothing brings me more joy than giving God glory, amen. This never gets old to me, amen. I hope it never gets old to you, amen. Amen. Let's sing this song together. I bless your name. I bless your name. I bless your name. I give you honor. I give you
I want to see 
Just pray that He opens our eyes tonight, eyes of our heart, that we could see His Word. Amen. Chase away all doubt and fear. Amen. In each and every one's life. God bless you, everyone. Good to have you with us tonight. Welcome to Hickory Bible Tabernacle and our Wednesday night broadcast. Trust that you've enjoyed just that little interlude of uh, singing the music tonight. And uh, after a busy week and uh, all the different things that families have to do in the middle of a week, it's just nice to stop for a few minutes and just be able to study the Word of God and worship in that way. And uh, we appreciate each and every one of you being here uh, tonight. I wanted to just uh, take a few minutes tonight at the beginning of the service just to give you some of the current prayer, uh, prayer requests. And uh, I just ran out of time today and I was going to send an update out, but I thought I would just wait and give it to you in person. And then uh, several weeks ago, I had asked Brother Mike Holloway uh, to take the service tonight. So he is with us uh, live in the fellowship hall and he's going to be broadcasting in just a few moments. But uh, I wanted to bring you some of the prayer requests here so you can keep, keep this on your list. And um, I have I have a list. Um, I have I have several physical lists that look like this. And I, you know, I keep uh, a running tally of uh, where folks are, what they're doing, how they're uh, how they're experiencing things and maybe needs that people have. And I, I would encourage you to have a list of some sort so we can remember these folks in prayer because there are many needs. Uh, our church has certainly been under attack. And uh, I would like to think that our church is under attack because we're doing the right things. And uh, as a result of that, uh, we should not slack doing the right things. I know that every person who's seriously ill would not want us to stop and uh, would want us to press on and to continue to minister the word of life uh, to the saints and uh, press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Let me give you some of the prayer requests uh, now for this evening. Uh, we want to remember Sister Greg uh, in the nursing home. She has had uh, the vaccine and taken that successfully, but uh, she fell again today, slipped out of her wheelchair. Apparently, she likes to get in it and roam around and, uh, you know, get to see different places in the in the home. So uh, she uh, made a miscalculation today and fell from her uh, wheelchairs, but she was fine. They examined her. She was fine. And uh, we just want to continue to hold her up in prayer. Sister Sue Shepard uh, today up in Virginia had a, uh, not today, but a couple of days ago, had a pacemaker put in. And uh, generally people who have a lower heart rate, when they get a pacemaker, they begin to feel better immediately. So we just trust that Sister Sue, it'll be good for you. And uh, you'll be able to um, feel more energy and have a little bit more strength uh, from day to day. We also, too, uh, want to remember Brother Matt Cross, and Brother Matt's been sick with the symptoms of the virus uh, and being tested. Uh, Sister Melody and the kids all seem to be fine, but we want to remember uh, Brother Matt for sure. Uh, as well, we want to remember Sister Mary Smith. As I told you on Sunday, uh, Brother Richard and Sister Mary were fighting symptoms. Sister Mary was taken to the hospital and uh, she was given uh, uh, specific treatments for pneumonia, also for the virus. And then they moved her uh, up to the uh, Samaritan's Purse Hospital, the makeshift hospital that they built in Lenore. So she's in that temporary hospital there. 
uh, outside. Or it's, the building is uh, an extra building that, that is uh, put up there, temporary hospital. And uh, she's recovering there. And uh, she's doing okay. Uh, they're uh, giving her different kinds of treatments and hoping to get her back on her feet again. Uh, she's going to have to go through through some physical therapy and get her strength back in her legs. And uh, we just trust that the Lord will undertake for Sister Mary. I was just talking to Brother Richard Smith, and he's at home. Uh, he was tested positive for the virus as well. And uh, he seems to be uh, staying mobile and feels, uh, feels okay. I talked to Brother Smith maybe two or three times a day. And I know others have been keeping in contact with him. Uh, we're very appreciative of everybody who's brought food and visited. Uh, Brother Jeremy came over one day and took uh, Sister Mary's glasses and her cell phone up to her. And uh, that's really been great. I was just going to advise you uh, not to send flowers to people who are in the hospital. Uh, they don't seem to be taking them in the in the hospitals uh, now, and especially in the COVID wards. Uh, the, the flowers that we sent to Sister Mary, they would not let her have them at all. I think she saw them, but they, they gave them to somebody else to enjoy. And um, uh, just to make a note of that, that if you're thinking of sending flowers, it might be better to wait until they get back home. Uh, I want you to remember Brother Tom Ward. Uh, Brother Tom and Sister Kim have been fighting the virus uh, over the last several days. And Brother Tom was x-rayed on Sunday. He had the beginnings of pneumonia and they gave him an antibiotic. Unfortunately, he continued to feel worse over the next few days. And now he has bilateral pneumonia. Uh, he is being admitted to the hospital just as we speak. I spoke to him just a little while ago and uh, Rachel is with him. And uh, they did extensive testing on him when he went into the hospital. They have a very good doctor there and uh, made all kinds of assessments, but they want to give him uh, some drug therapies and let him rest for five days and give him the right kind of uh, treatment in the hospital. So if you don't mind, remember, Brother Tom, that's certainly not his desire to be there, uh, but he didn't resist this afternoon. We talked to him and uh, he just made the decision uh, felt it would be the best thing that he uh, could be doing is to be in there for treatment. And so um, we also too want to remember Sister uh, Kim. She's at home and she's resting. She's been uh, not feeling well herself, but she spent her time uh, taking care of Brother Tom. And now that he's in the hospital, uh, she's able to rest a little bit and uh, hopefully regain her strength as well. Uh, want to give you the update on Brother Joe Pascal. Uh, Brother Joe, uh, I finally got uh, some permission to be able to talk to the hospital there and got through and talked to a very nice nurse there. Uh, Brother Joe uh, has some serious issues uh, that they're dealing with, but uh, today was a really good sign today that uh, the doctor told Sister Lisa that they reduced her oxygen level uh, for Brother Joe, and that is a good sign. He was on 100% oxygen, and they reduced it almost in half, and uh, the doctor was very pleased with that outcome. So we just pray that that continues. That's what we want to do, and uh, allow his lungs to begin to heal, and uh, that's where the, the greater uh, struggle is. And so we're just really continuing to pray for Brother Joe. The nurse suggested that he may be there a little while, but certainly we don't know that, and the best thing we can do is uh, place him into God's hands. We also, too, in the same breath, we want to remember Sister Lisa and uh, Brother Joseph. Uh, they're both at home. Sister Lisa is uh, being uh, 
cautious and staying at home and uh, trying to keep things rolling in the business. And she's got her hands full, that's for sure. Uh, we stay in contact with her, my wife and I, we stay in contact regularly and uh, just are very thankful that, uh, you know, she's been able to still function and stay at home and try to uh, get past these difficult days. So uh, we'd ask you to remember um, remember her in prayer and Joseph as well. Appreciate the Whitlocks. They went up there uh, on Tuesday and brought a whole bunch of supplies and visited with her and got to spend a little bit of time with uh, Sister Lisa. And for the people who have had the virus, it's, it's just great that they're able to go and visit and uh, be able to minister to the people who are experiencing the symptoms now. So let's have a word of prayer, and uh, there are some other needs in the church. There always are, uh, but I'm glad to report that there are some folks that uh, who have had the virus in this last surge, and they're uh, beginning to head back to work and, and uh, getting their strength back, so we're thankful for that. I think we can expect over the next little while that there will be a wave of reforms uh, and probably some state legislation that will come down. Uh, that will have new rules about gatherings, new rules about wearing masks in public gatherings. Uh, I think you should be expecting that, that that will probably be coming uh, over the next little while until they get a handle on the virus. And so I'm just warning you up front that uh, that's probably going to be a reality uh, in many states that it has not been up to this point. And uh, so we um, we just need to be braced for whatever comes with the new uh, new perspective that uh, began today in Washington. Bind your need together now and uh, bind your hearts together as well. And let's just present uh, every need that we have before him. And we can confidently lay it at the, the foot of the throne tonight. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for this opportunity we have together. It's always a blessing and a privilege. Lord, we just sense the presence of God already in our midst. And now in the name of Jesus Christ, we commit every need, Lord, into your hands. We can't help, Lord, but think of Brother Joe tonight. And Lord, how difficult that must be. And Father, we just pray that your grace would be sufficient for him. And Lord, just take away all pain and discomfort and the agitation that he feels. The Lord, just minister to him and his family. We pray also for Brother Tom, Lord. We know it's certainly not Brother Tom's desire to be in the hospital. But Father, we, we know that uh, the footsteps of a good man are ordered of the Lord, and we just pray that uh, this is a means, Lord, just to help him through this difficult period. I commend him into your hands, Lord. May your healing virtue flow to him, and Lord, may nothing stand in the way of your healing virtue to flow to him, Sister Mary, Brother Joe, Sister Kim, and the many others, Lord, that are needing your touch tonight. I commit them into your hands. Bless this service. Bless our time together, Lord. We know that we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. And Father, we are just confident as we hold our heads high. And Lord, you're going to see us through. And we just believe that we'll come through all of this experience, Lord, in a stronger way. We give our hearts to you tonight and just pray that you would help us to focus, meet every need, speak to every heart, Lord, anoint Brother Mike and just move him out of the way. We commit him and the congregation into your hands now. In the blessed and precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And amen. God bless you, saints. Praise the Lord, church. It's good to be with you this evening and appreciate Brother Barry giving us the opportunity to fellowship with the church here in Hickory. Uh, even though we may be virtual tonight and in our respective homes, it's still still the same fellowship around the word of the hour. And that's what we appreciate. Um, I did want to make a note. I'm glad to hear some of the good reports coming in 
Brother Barry had shared with me the uh, prayer request, and we have certainly been praying with the church here and those in special needs, understanding how that affects a home. Um, even our home ourselves is kind of going through a little bit of a affliction at the moment, and I just wanted to kind of share that. I had not shared that, Brother Barry, about my own situation, but, uh, but I thought I would tonight since uh, in case you see me maybe breathe a little hard during the service or maybe let out a cough here or there, it's not COVID. Um, I uh, had a situation that started about eight months ago, uh, started affecting my body, and uh, first I thought it might have been COVID. I went and got tested, and it wasn't that, and so I had a virtual visit with a doctor, and she said, no, it doesn't sound like COVID, and uh, her initial prognosis was it sounded like early stages of uh, uh, coronary disease, and so, uh, of course, we weren't accepting that, so we just committed to God and keep moving on, but, um, but over the past eight months, the uh, symptoms have gotten a little bit worse. And it has affected to some degree uh, my breathing in the pulpit. So I just wanted to share that up front. If you see me cough a little bit or if you see me kind of grasp a little bit of breath, don't, don't panic. But just pray for me and we just trust in God. All is going to be well. But uh, having said that, I'm going to uh, ask if you would to turn in your Bibles to the book of uh, Joshua chapter 1. We've got a little thought for tonight. It won't be a very long service. I don't anticipate it would be. Uh, you never know how things could go, but... Uh, I feel in my heart it should be a relatively uh, a shorter service, relatively speaking. But I just pray that the, the thought be a blessing to you. Joshua chapter 1, uh, verse 1. And before we read, let's just bow for a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just want to thank you for your grace. Thank you for the word of the hour that you've given us as a comfort. Lord, it's your thoughts of this hour that we're living in. Not just who you are, but what you've made us and intended for us to be and what you provided for us in this hour to lead us through and guide us through every tactic of the enemy, every trick that he would try to provide to stumble us, to take us down. But, Lord, you've given us such a confidence and such a rest in your word. And, Lord, tonight, as your little children, we ask that you forgive us of our sins. And, Lord, help us to believe your word, all of it, Lord, that it might have preeminence in our lives. And that it might accomplish that which you sent for it to do. We thank you, Father. I pray for all those in the church that have been afflicted. God, may your great grace be with them. May they have perfect assurance and trust in you. No matter how dark the hour may get, no matter how heavy the affliction or the burden, Lord, you promise that you will never leave them nor forsake them. And that you will put no more upon them than they can bear. So, Lord, let us put all our confidence in you and your word, knowing that your word is never going to fail. So, Lord, take the service tonight. Help me to relax, step aside, once again commit the gift into your hands. May you use it, Lord, may it be an edification to the people. We ask it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Joshua 1, verse 1. It says now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan, thou and all these people, unto the land which I give them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot should tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even to the great river, the river Euphrates, all of the land of the Hittites and of the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There should not be any man able to stand before thee. All the days of thy life, as I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. 
I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Be thou strong and of good courage, and unto these people shall thou divide for inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper wheresoever thou goest. This book of the law should not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do all according that is written, in, that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. I like this. And then thou shalt have good success. Let's bow our heads once again. Dear Lord, we thank you once again for the reading of your word. As a man, that's about all that we can do. But Lord, our confidence is not in the flesh. Our confidence is in the God that created the flesh. Lord, come into the service. Visit every home tonight. Lord, visit it by the word and the spirit. God, may it bring edification upon the hearers. May it bring faith to receive the promises. We ask it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. I'd like to give for a thought tonight, or a title if I could call it that, a perfect faith. A perfect faith. And for a subtopic, I want to call it in the gospel light. A perfect faith in the gospel light. What is faith? Faith, according to Hebrews 11.1, at least the Bible definition of it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. That's the easy Bible definition of the word faith. But as we look through the message of the hour, we find that there's different levels of faith, or if I should say different layers of faith, if I could put it like that. And we find that that word faith is not a one-size-fit-all definition. Faith in one sense is a confidence that we as humans have as something that rests or confidence that rests within our subconscious. And only we as humans have it because only we as humans have a subconscious or a soul. In other words, faith rests in the soul of man and the soul of man dwells in the heart of man. And that goes for both sinners and saints. If they're a human being, if you're a man, you have a soul and you have a subconscious that has the ability to have confidence or have doubt in in any given situation. We were made this way by our creator because God wanted us to operate from that subconscious realm. And a man was designed, according to scripture, to live by this faith. That faith actually comes, listen, from the subconscious and gives us confidence to believe in that which is, I want you to want to get this, or that which has the potential to be. Faith gives you confidence to believe in that. This confidence is not limited to Christians. Because if you follow the message of the hour, Brother Brandon puts it like this. The prophet talks about a magician having faith to perform tricks. In the message, faith is the substance. Brother Brandon puts it like this. Now, that's just pure faith, friends. Magicians use it many times to play tricks and so forth, burst glasses and things. It will if you believe. Now, I want you to notice what he's saying here. He's not saying that the magician is a Christian with Christian faith. But he does have a type of faith, a type of confidence that there's something in him that tells him if I do a certain thing, this next thing will follow. He has confidence in what's going to happen by a certain measure of faith. Now watch what Brother Brandon says. He said it will happen if you believe. So even in that natural sense of that magician 
operating that trick to be able to look at a glass and focus on the glass and break that by his mental thought. It takes a certain believing in his subconscious. He could do it because if it didn't, the glass would never break. I want you to watch this. Brother Branham says, now that's just pure faith, friends. Magicians use it many times to play pranks and so forth, burst glasses and things. He said it will if you believe. But I'm trying to raise you the thought on faith so you know what I'm talking about. So now Brother Branham's saying is now he's trying to raise his thought on faith. We're not trying to have faith like a magician to be able to look at the glass and break it. Brother Branham said that is a mental faith. He said, but as Christians, we can't rely on a mental faith. Brother Branham wants the real church to rise up to something higher than just a mental faith. Now I want you to watch this. This magician, actually, what he has is not real faith in terms of a Bible sense, but it is a perversion because he does have a confidence that's vibrating from his inner subconscious. But it's working by the same laws because just as our faith is based upon what we believe, his faith is based upon what he believes. Now, I want you to watch this. He can't bluff it. Either he has it or he doesn't. The next one I want to look at is faith to be healed. Now, I want you to watch this as we climb up a little bit. But the Bible says in the message, Abraham's covenant confirmed. Abraham says, sure, I've been in Africa and I've seen them get healed by mud idol." Now, we realize there's only one healer, and that's God. And God's healing comes by faith. But Brother Bannon said, but in countries where they don't even know the name of Jesus Christ, they look to their idols, they look to their gods, and yet they get the same healing that you and I get under the atonement. Now, I want you to watch this. Brother Bannon says, I said, I've been over in La Salle, Lorraine, in France, and I've seen them people go up there to that woman, some dead woman, and they see them get healed. Why? He said, because they believe. So now, just like the magician can look at that glass and because he believes it's going to break, it breaks. Brother Bram said there's people in other places around the world that don't even know Jesus Christ, yet they can look at things like idols. They can look at things like dead people. They can look at certain kind of objects and they can receive their healing. Brother Bram said, why? Because they believe. I want you to watch this. Because they believe they're approaching God through that idol, see? And God has placed divine healing on the basis of your faith. So even divine healing can operate in a realm that's not God's perfect will, not God's perfect provided way. But if the person believes that what they're doing is actually approaching God, God in his great mercies honors that level of faith and still grants them their healing, even though it's not in perfect alignment with the atonement. Now, let me keep moving. Both of these examples are just types of what I call layers of faith. It's the confidence that something will happen based upon what the individual believes. But through the approach, listen, though the approach is not God's perfectly provided way by his word, it brought these people to a faith, to a confidence, to expect the supernatural, to expect something was going to happen. I want to go up one more higher. Let's look at the statue of perfect man. Bring this a little closer to the church. Brother Branham says, how many people heard Or Roberts this morning when he was preaching this morning? Or Roberts. Brother Branham says, I heard him say something uh, or another about there was a faith of deliverance. Praying the prayer of faith of deliverance. He said, make your contact by touching radio. Now, I want you to watch this. Brother Branham is taking a very well-known evangelical Christian minister, one of his peers in his day, 
And he's beginning to show how even in the Christian realm, if people aren't careful, they'll take things that is not necessarily God's provided way. But because people recognize that if you have confidence in what you're doing, that confidence can a lot of times bring results, even though it might not be perfectly aligned with the word. It's the person's confidence that brings the results. I want you to watch this. He make a, he said, make contact by touching the radio, make contact by touching something. He said the man was doing that so that he could give people something. Listen, that he could give people something that they could put their hands on something. You can say, I got it now. Because he told me to touch the radio, I got it. You see, now this is me speaking here. Oral Roberts was working on their confidence. He was trying to do just like a doctor does. Pardon me a minute. When a doctor has a patient, a doctor a lot of times has to get a patient to have confidence in the medicine. He'll tell you about his background as a physician. He'll tell you about his training. He'll tell you about how many patients he's treated like yours. He'll tell you about the testimonies, about how many have gotten healed. He'll tell you how they took the medicine, how to work for him. What is he doing? He's trying to get your confidence in the medicine because they realize that if they can ever get you to have confidence in the medicine, that will affect your subconscious and your subconscious will open up and receive that. And most times, once that happens, he said the patient gets healed. Why? It's the subconscious that makes the decision. Are you following me? But if in your subconscious you doubt that medication, then many times that medication never does you no good. It's the same as the preaching the gospel. No matter how much the word is preached, if we can hear it, if we can believe it, and then something in our subconscious can say, I believe that, I believe that, I believe that, something begins to change and that gospel will have an effect. But it has to happen at the realm of the subconscious because that's where the confidence has to occur. Or Roberts was only trying to work on their subconscious. He was deviating from the word to do it, but what he was after was the results. But now watch how Brother Banner puts this. Brother Banner says, see, that's all right. But now, real genuine faith doesn't have to have none of that stuff. Now, I'm not condemning Oral Roberts. Not at all. He's doing a great work. A godly man. And I sure think a lot of Oral Roberts. Too bad we ain't got more of them. But what I'm trying to say is, faith doesn't need anything. See, faith believes God's word. So what we want to talk about now, we talk about perfect faith. I want to move from a realm where just confidence can make things happen because of God's grace and God's mercy. He could allow certain things to take place just because of the confidence of a man's subconscious. But there is a faith that's a perfect faith in the eyes of God. And that's what the bride has to learn to walk by. Brother Branham said, faith believes God's word for faith cometh by touching. No, faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. He said that anchors it. There it is. So what are we looking for tonight is we're not looking for just faith that we can see certain things happen, but we want to be able to walk by a perfect faith, a faith that was designed by God to operate a certain way. And it's not successful. Sometimes a doctor's confidence works sometimes a faith healer in some foreign country works sometimes. Magicians work sometimes, but faith in God's word, if it really is faith, it works every time. That's a different kind of faith. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. It's not human faith. It's God's faith. Paul says, not all men have this faith. Second Thessalonians three, one verses two, one, verses one and two says, finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified, even as it is with you. And that we may be delivered from undesirable and wicked men. Listen, for all men have not faith. So Paul is simply saying here now, there is a natural faith. Brother Banner said it's like a uh, like a hyssop that lays everywhere. There is a natural faith. 
But Paul is talking about a different kind of faith here. He's talking about a supernatural faith. This faith only comes as it's given by God. And Paul says, not every man has this faith. Now, I want to keep reading here. Paul is speaking here of true Christian faith in the word. In Romans, Paul puts it like this. Romans 12, 1 says, I beseech you, brethren, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. And to be not conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove, listen, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? Faith would allow us by walk of faith to prove what is acceptable and what is God's perfect will. Now watch verse three. For I say, though the grace given unto me to every man that is amongst you. Now I want you to watch this. Paul starts this off by talking to brethren in verse one. Now he's talking to the brethren. He said to every man that is amongst you. That's the brethren. He said, think not. He said not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think soberly. According as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Now, many have taken that verse right there and say that means every man has this measure of supernatural faith. Brother Bram said that's not what Paul was talking about. Paul was writing specifically to the brethren at Rome. He said that all men was not all men of the world, but it was all men of the church. Those that had believed the gospel, according to Paul, he was writing to the believer of that age. And so when we talk about all men having faith. We're not talking about all men having the faith of God. We're talking about all men having a measure of faith in terms of the subconscious to certain belief of things. But when it comes to this faith, particularly right here, we're talking about a different kind of faith. It's a supernatural faith that only comes by hearing the word. If you look at verse 12, one, Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. He's speaking to the believer, the brethren that was in that church there at Rome. And that brethren, according to the scripture that Paul wrote in Romans 1, 1, or Romans chapter 1, those brethren or the church was to live by faith. Now, I want to take my time on that for a minute. That faith that Paul was talking about was not human faith. I really want to take my time on this to lay the foundation for perfect faith. It's not human faith. If it were human faith, again, every man would have it. But we're talking about a supernatural faith. Brother Branham says in the message, be not afraid. It is I, he says, there is only one faith. That's the faith of God. That's right. God's faith. Your human faith won't go very far. But God's faith in you. Listen, our faith can do certain things like drive cars. We can go and turn on light switches. We know what's supposed to happen. But when it comes to moving certain things in the supernatural realm, our faith doesn't have that ability. We weren't born with that within us. That's something that has to be given to a man by the grace of God. Now, I want you to watch this. Romans 1 says the just should live by faith. But let's go back to Habakkuk, Habakkuk chapter 2, and see where Paul got this inspiration from. Romans 1 says the just should live by faith. But Habakkuk 2, 3 says... For the vision is yet for an appointed time. That's God's word. But at the end, it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Behold, the soul that is lifted up is not upright in him. But listen, but the just shall live by his faith. Now, in Romans one, it says the just shall live by faith. 
But now if you go back to where the inspiration comes from, it said the judge should live by his faith. That his is not the mortal man's faith. Because Brother Bram said our faith won't amount to much. That his faith spoken of here is God's faith. Because Brother Bram said there is only one faith, and that is the faith of God. The judge has to come in contact with his creator in order to receive a measure of God's faith in that man. And he's living not by his own faith, but he's living by God's own faith that was placed inside that man. And how does that faith come? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing what? Hearing the word of God. God takes his own life, the word, places that in the human subconscious, into his heart, and then that creates a faith in a man, and that's the faith that the real believer is living by. It's not our faith. It's not your faith. It's his faith. It's God's faith. And that faith only comes, listen, by hearing the word. And that faith brings, listen, what we call divine revelation. It places your thoughts and God's thoughts together. It's not what I believe. It's what he's revealed to me. That's why the Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please him. Because when God reveals his thoughts to you and your thoughts and God's thoughts are now in line by revelation or by faith and you operate on that realm that's pleasing to God. Why? Because you're thinking and acting the same way that he would. And when that does take place, that pleases God. So what is this faith? It is the faith of God. It's God's own faith. It's God's thoughts by his word, listen, coming into you. His thoughts become your thoughts by believing his words. Just like that magician had confidence in his subconscious that if he acted upon what he believed, it would happen, and it did. The believer, when you see God's word and it's revealed to you in your subconscious and you see it, you believe that if you act upon it, it's going to happen. Why? Because you come in contact with the supernatural. Look what Brother Bramlett says in the third seal. Brother Bramlett says, and Christ is the word. St. John 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And the word became fleshy and dwelt amongst us, and God dwelt in uh, God dwelt with us in flesh, for he was the word. Before a word, it is a thought, and a thought has to be created, all right? So God's thought become creation when it was spoken by a word. And when he presents it to you as a thought, his thought is revealed to you. So now when we're talking about revelation, we're not just talking about the letter of the word. The Bible said the, the spirit, the letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life. The letter alone can give you a thought, but you have to have the inspiration behind the thought. Or excuse me, the letter can give you the word. Let me put it that way. The letter can give you the word, but it takes inspiration of the Holy Ghost to catch the thought behind the word. How many remember when Jesus Christ was on earth? He said, destroy this temple in three days, I raise it up. And many thought he was talking about the building that he was standing in front of. But the Bible said, how be it he was not referring to the building, he was talking about his body. They heard the word, but they had no inspiration to catch the thought behind what he was saying. There is the letter of the word, but then there's a thought that's behind that letter. And in order to catch revelation, we've got to come in contact with the thought, not just the letter. That's why we can have so many people read the Bible, and some can come up with the Baptist theology, and some can come up with the Methodist theology, and some can come up with the Pentecostal theology and they're all reading the same Bible but they're not all catching the same thought why because they're not coming into the same channel of inspiration and the same is true with the message of the hour it came to bring the bride to the unity of faith 
Every man that hears this message will not catch the same thought. But the bride is coming into unity. Why? She was predestinated not just to hear the word, but she was predestinated to catch the thought of the message for the age in which she was living. And what is it doing? It's bringing her universally into the same mind of Christ because she's catching the same thought by the same Holy Ghost. So it's not just a thought or the word. It's got to be a thought along with it. God's thinking expressed as a word first, then revealed to the human heart becomes a faith or a revelation. And the revelation is not our thoughts. I want to say this real carefully. The revelation is not our thoughts with the word because that becomes just as dangerous. God is not sharing his thought to be added to your thought. God is sharing his thought to replace your thought. What you thought on is not what God is after. God wants you to be able to drop your thought in order to receive his thinking on the matter. It's our thoughts dead and God's thoughts made alive in us. And his thoughts can only come by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Look at how Brother Banner put it in um, How Can I Overcome 1963. He said the thought runs deeper than what's wrote. See, it's inspiration. The kernel is on the inside of it, you see what it really is. So it's not just the letter of the word. It's what's hidden inside the word. What was the mystery behind the word when God spoke it? Can you, by the same Holy Spirit that wrote the word, can you, by that Holy Spirit now, catch the thought behind the word that was written? The prophets had to write it by the Holy Spirit, and you and I can only hear it or understand it or catch the inspiration by the same Holy Spirit. That's the only way it'll ever work. So then faith in that word becomes our confidence. That becomes what we believe. And if it really becomes what we believe, listen, it then becomes how we act. For faith, listen, real faith is what I call an enabler. An enabler. It not only reveals, it not only explains, but faith comes with the power. Because faith is God's anointed word. Revealed to the human heart by the Holy Spirit. It not only reveals, but it empowers. It brings revelation of God. It brings the revelation. It brings God in the in the scene. Let me put it this way. By the revelation, it brings God on the scene to the person. Let me put it to you that way. It's not just a knowledge that God is. But real revelation brings God present tense on the scene to that person. Why does he come present tense? God comes to perform what that person has believed. Because it's no longer you, but it's the word that's come to you to perform God's will. If you look at Romans chapter 4, verse 17, I like to use Abraham because he's called the father of faith. And I like to use him because of the type of faith that that man had being a Gentile. And not knowing being raised in a Christian environment. In verse 17, Romans 4, 17 says, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Now, this is God talking to Abraham. Now, keep in mind, Abraham was past 75. I'm not sure how much past 75 he was at this point. And Sarah didn't have any, he and Sarah didn't have any kids. And, and, and Abraham was still apparently fertile at this point, but Sarah was not. But here is God telling Abraham, I have made thee a father of many nations. And the Bible says before him whom he believed, even God, 
who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. So now God actually has the ability not to rest upon what he sees, but God rests upon what he believes. I like it in one place. Brother Bram said when God spoke his first creation, he said God had never created before. He said God had to have faith in his own word that when he spoke his very first creation, it was going to happen. He had never created one thing before that. It was his first time, but yet his own faith in his own word allowed him to believe, if I say it, it's going to happen. And if that's the faith of God before the foundation of the world, and now God's faith has now been given to us as believers, we've got to have the same faith to believe for things that we've never seen, but because God's word has said so, we've got confidence that word has the ability to bring it to pass if we can believe it. Now, I want you to watch that. He says, who against hope, this is Abraham, believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. So God said, I've made you a father of nations, but how did Abraham become that? The Bible said because he believed. Something in his subconscious came to a confidence by hearing the word that it was going to happen. Why? Because God said so. And if God said so, it's got to come to pass. And when Abraham believed it like that, his body came into subjection to the faith that he had in his subconscious. And that's the same thing for you and I. It's a confidence in what God has revealed to you personally. He didn't say that I made the world a father of many nations. He didn't say I made your son a father of many nations. He said, Abraham, I've made you a father of many nations. And Abraham had to believe what the word was spoken concerning himself. And that's really getting into the realm of perfect faith now. You got to believe not what the word is said about somebody else. We've got to come to a place that what we believe about the word is what has the word said about you personally. Because faith doesn't just speak the word or believe the word. But when faith comes into the heart, it gives the person a power to act. If you look at some examples in Hebrews eleven four, it said by faith. I want you to see faith as an action verb, an action word. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. He didn't say Abel believed he could. Abel acted on it. Hebrews 11 Five says, by faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. It didn't just say Enoch believed in a rapture. It said he was actually translated and was not found. Why? Because God translated him. His faith was such that it brought God present tense on the scene to act on the faith that Enoch possessed. If you look at Hebrews eleven eleven. through faith, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed. She didn't just believe she could. Her faith brought it to pass, received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age. Because, listen, she judged him faithful who would promise. I love this because what it does is faith takes the pressure off of us and we've got to have confidence in the one that's made the promise. That's the mystery of faith. It's not what you're able to do, but it's what you're able to believe. Brother Branham said that was the angels of Lord's favorite song. Uh, only believe. Why? He just wanted the people to believe God loves you. God is present and he's here to confirm his word. He's just looking for hearts that are open to receive that word and believe that God will perform it just as he's promised he would. 
And that was the kind of faith Sarah had. We talk about Sarah laughing and we talk about the things she did. But God was able to deal with Sarah's heart in such a way that she recognized her wrong. And when she recognized her wrong and recognized that that was God out there talking to her husband, she was actually able to repent and recognize her wrong. And that act of repentance and recognizing her wrong was able to change her heart from unbelieving to a heart of faith to say that man is more than able to keep his word. And God kept his word to Sarah and Abraham because she received faith. And that's the same kind of faith that we're talking about now. Faith to believe the promise of God for our hour. That faith brought them to a power, a power of God to confirm his word. These people had their faith. Listen, these people that had this faith, according to scriptures, they're called God's elect. Now, I want to bring this kind of home. They're called God's elect. These elect were actually the chosen ones. God's elected. They're put here on earth for a specific purpose for a specific time. And the faith that I'm talking about is not to the world, but it's to his elect. Now, I want you to watch what Brother Brown says this. In the message of adoption, 1960, adoption part one. Watch how the prophet puts this. Election looks back to foreknowledge. And predestined looks to destiny. Let me read that again. Election looks back to foreknowledge and predestination looks to destiny. One is looking back and the other is looking forward. Brother Brown said, don't forget that. That election looks back here. Here it is. I was a cockaburr. I was born in sin, shaped in iniquity, come to the world speaking lies, Born amongst sinners, father and mother and all my whole family sinners, I was a cocklebur. But all of a sudden, I became a wheat grain. How did that happen? If we're believers tonight, we've all got that same testimony. We had no choice but to be born in sin, shaped in iniquity, come to work, speak lies. Because every man that came out of the seed of a woman came that way except for Jesus Christ because he was the only creative child placed in the womb of a virgin woman. But every man born by male instrumentality by the womb of a woman came the same way. We were all born cockleburs. Brother Bram said, but I became a grain of wheat. He said, how did that happen? He said, what did that? Brother Bram said, election. God, before the foundation of the world, elected that the cocoa was to become a wheat grain. He said, now I know I'm a wheat grain. Excuse me. Now I know I'm a grain of wheat because I am what? Saved. So Brother Bram is taking this in real simple steps here. He said, the first step is you've got to recognize you come to a spot that you know you're not the man you used to be. You've passed from death unto life. Brother Bram said, how do I know I'm not a cocoa burl anymore? How do I know I'm a wheat grain? He said, because something changed me. He said, that was election. He said, I am saved. He put it like this one time in a testimony service. He said there was a colored woman that came to a church service and she said, do you mind if I stand and testify? He said, go ahead, sister. She said, I want to give this testimony to the glory of God. She said, I'm not what I ought to be. She said, I'm not what I want to be. But one thing's certain, I know I ain't what it used to be. Brother Banner said, what was she testifying of? He said, she had been brought up. Why? God had touched her life, and by the grace of God, he changed her from a sinner, and she knew she was a saint. She might not have gone all the way as far as she wanted to go with God, but she knows something had changed her, and she wasn't the person she was born so many years ago. Now, I want you to watch this. Brother Banner said, how do I? He said, how do I do it? He said, look back and see. That the predestinated did, excuse me, 
How do it, I do it? Look back and see that he predestinated it a long time ago. By foreknowledge, he seen that I would love him. So he made a perpetuation through his own son that through him I might become from a cockerbur to a grain of wheat. Now here, listen, now where am I at now? I'm saved. I'm walking in the grace of God. He said, well, what does predestination look to destiny? Where will he take me to and where am I going? If I can see that he brought me to where I'm at now, if I can see by election he chose me to be saved now, if I can see by election he put something in my heart to love him and want to live for him and then want to live with him eternally, if I can see I've come to that spot now, he said, then where do I go from here? He said, look to predestination. Where did the word say that that person was going from that point? You've got to be able to see by perfect faith in the word where he has predestinated you to be from the point where you're standing right now. You can't walk from, Brother Bam talked like this, he said, it's like a man with the walking through the woods with a lantern. He says, sometimes we stumble because we're trying to get too far ahead of the program. He said, you can only walk one step at a time by the light. But if you can see by the light, by the gospel light, where you stand in the word now, then you can have faith that where he said you're going to be, the same one that puts you where you are is the same one's going to see that you get to the end of the road. But you've got to take it one step at a time. Look at predestination. Where did the same word that saved you? Where is he wanting to take you? Where did that word say that you're going? Brother Brown says, amen. He said, that's got you. There you are. See, we have to let the same faith that called you. We've got to let that same faith lead us on. One of the problems that Israel had coming out of Egypt, they never did believe the gospel light. When Moses preached the message down in Egypt, they tried to get Moses to leave. They said, leave us alone. Go back to wherever you came from. You're making our life harder. They never did believe it. Then when God, by his grace, brought them out, brought them to the Red Sea, and all of a sudden, Pharaoh came behind them. They said, see, Moses, you brought us out here to die. They still didn't believe it. Then God killed the Pharaoh's army in the, in the Red Sea. Then they got to the other side, on the other side, and then they saw the bodies walk, walk up on the bank, watch them on the bank. They got happy for a few days until the first trial came. Then they said, oh, we're going to die of uh, thirst in the wilderness. They never could have faith in the God that saved them. You've got to first have faith in the God that saved you to know he saved you for a predestinated purpose. If you can't come to that rest, that right now where you stand, you're already a beneficiary. No matter what happens from here going forward of God's grace to you. He's revealed his eternal life to you and you're one of his children. You'll never come to that level of perfect faith until you can first have faith where you are right now. I want you to catch this. You've got to have faith where you are with God right now. And having that kind of faith in God right now, the Bible said, Romans 5.1, gives us peace with God. We can approach him. Why? Because we know that we're living under an atonement he provided. Not for somebody else. It's an atonement he's provided for me. But those two men that believed in God down in Egypt, Joshua and Caleb, 
Those two men believed him at the Red Sea. Those two men believed him in the wilderness. Those two men believed him at Kadesh Barnea. And those two men also believed him in crossing over the Jordan to go into the land. Why? Because they believed the entire time. It wasn't a different faith. They believed then, and that same faith took them step by step by step by step as the message of the hour was unfolding. And I want you to watch this. Israel's problem was they never did, as a nation, really believe what God was doing. And we as individuals have to have the same revelation. We've got to recognize what God has already done for you and the same God that started the work. The Bible gave us a promise that he's faithful and just to finish the work that he started. Now, perfect faith not only knows what the word says, but this is what I want to get to about election. You have to see what the word has said about you. What has it said about your election? What has it said about your calling? Not just what God said he's going to do for an age, but what has he said he's going to do for you within that age? Now, I want to get ready to close on this thought, but I want to take this very long quote from Perfect Faith. So bear with me as I read through it, because I want you to be able to see how this perfect faith elevates. It goes for more than just believing that there is a God, that he can do supernatural things. It goes beyond just knowing that God is a healer and has made promises that we can draw on. But perfect faith actually comes, Brother Benham talks about it, when the faith of God, his own faith, comes into you. And the only way that that real faith can come into you is by the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's not your faith anymore. There's literally a new life inside of you. And that new life, when it comes, it brings its own faith. And what we're learning to do as believers is not to lean upon our own thinking, but we're learning to lean on the God that's inside of us. Now, I want you to see how Brother Bradham describes this in the ministry of Jesus Christ, and then he shifts that over to the same ministry that you and I have as believers. Watch this in the message, Perfect Faith. He said, he had, speaking of Christ, he had faith with his power. How did he? He said, I can do nothing in myself. Why? He relied upon what he was. He relied in knowing that he was the word, and he had faith in God who made him the word. Christ was not, his confidence was not in himself, but he had faith in what God made him. He looked to the scriptures and said, this is what the word has said about me, and I accept that. The same way God told Abraham, I have made you a father of many nations, by faith Abraham had to accept that and have confidence that that's what he would become. And the Bible said because he believed, he became what God revealed to him. And Brother Branham said that same law of faith worked in Jesus Christ. The prophets spoke year after year after year after year what Christ would be. And when Christ came, he only had confidence that what God spoke by those men concerning him, Christ said, I'm able to be all of that. Why? Because that's what God made me to be. And the bride has to have that same faith in herself, not that she's able, but she sees her potential because she sees what the word said that she's going to be. And she know that God made her that word for this hour and her confidence in him is in him to bring her to everything he said she's going to be. We're his work. We're his workmanship. The word we're not working on the word. May I put it to you this way? We're not working on the word. We've got to come to the revelation that God sent the word to work on us. It's the word that's changing us. We're not here to shape the word. The word shapes us as believers. And I want you to watch this. I can do nothing in myself. Why? He relied upon what he was. He relied in knowing that he was the word and that he had faith in God who made him the word. He was God, the word, and there was in him. And that gave him faith because he understood. Listen, 
He understood his position. He knew that he was because the scripture has said he was this. And here every scripture tied in to prove that he was exactly what the scripture said he would be. And he knew what he was. Therefore, he relied upon what God had made him. And if he did that, then can't we rely upon what God has made us as believers? Once you've identified yourself as a believer, now it's your obligation to God to believe his word and say, God, if I'm a believer, if I've had that experience where I've received the portion of your spirit and I've passed from death on the life, then why did you do that to me? Why did you make that change? If I'm a believer, what has the word said about believers? And then we're to believe what the word said about us and not how we feel and not how we see things. But what has the word said? It has the ability to bring you exactly to what God has made you to be, just like it did for Father Abraham. Listen to what else it says. He says, these signs shall follow them that believe. He had faith in what he was. And if you're a believer, you have faith in what you are. You are a believer. And if you've got faith in God, the Bible said, if I listen to this now, this is what I want to get to. If our hearts condemn us, then we can't have faith. But if our hearts don't condemn us, then we have faith. We have confidence toward God. And I want to take my time on that for just a minute. I started out by making this comment. I said, faith gives confidence. You have, Brother Brown said, you have faith to start your car. You put that key in because you got confidence it's going to start. The same way with that magician. He's got confidence if he speaks to that glass, it's going to break. There's a confidence he has before he even acts on it. Brother Brown says now, he says, if they don't have any condemnation in their heart, it gives us confidence toward God. Why? Because there's nothing there to hinder it. Now, we can be believers and still have faith not work perfectly if there's something that's condemning us. Now watch what the prophet says. He says, if our hearts condemn us, then we can't have faith. But if our hearts don't condemn us, then we have faith. We have confidence toward God. He said, I want you to read that. Found in St. John 3.21. He said, I got the scripture written down here. Notice he said, excuse me. I meant 1 John 3.21. He said, if our hearts condemn us not, then we have confidence towards God. Brother Bram says, but as long as you're doing things that's wrong, you don't have confidence towards God. Now, I want to take my time on this. Sometimes people don't have faith. That's why their actions don't change. And their actions will never change until they have faith to change them. But sometimes people that are actually real believers could still do things that are wrong. And Abraham proves that. Abraham, David proved that. Moses proved that. God told him to speak to the rock the second time. He smote it twice. Are you following me? Real believers, genuine God-sent believers can still do things wrong. And that's why the Bible says if we do anything wrong, that we should recognize our sins, confess our sins, Make it right, and the blood of Jesus Christ covers our sins. Why? And we're able to march on with a clear conscience. But if we leave these things unanswered behind us, they start to create a bit of a fog in our mind because we know in our conscience we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. We haven't lived up to what God has called us to, and it creates a certain condemnation in our consciousness. Are you following me? And it prevents us from having a real faith that we should, not because you're not a believer, but because there's things that's been left unattended to. Are you following me? Now, I want you to watch this. 
Brother Bram says, but as long as you're doing things that's wrong, you can't have confidence towards God. So you see, you'll automatically know that you're wrong. He said, you automatically put yourself back there as sinner by knowing that you're wrong. But when your heart don't condemn you and you know you're a believer and there's nothing between you and God and you can ask what you will and it'll be given because it's the word that's given to you like it was to those disciples. He said, now, the only thing you have to do then is have faith in what you are. You've got to first recognize what you are as a believer and then find out from the word what did the Bible say that a believer's position is and what are you entitled to as a believer and then check your heart to make sure that there's nothing wrong between you and God. He said, and then just walk as everyday simple Christian life, following the word as the Holy Ghost is leading you, believing that what God has promised you, he's more than able to perform it. Why? Because you're a believer and he's made the promise to you as a believer. But let me keep moving. He says, and Jesus had faith in the word of God that said what he was. It is written of me. Didn't David in the Psalms and the prophets in order to speak of it? I am the bread of life that come from God out of heaven. Amen. And I am the tree of life from the Garden of Eden and all of these things. I am that I am. And he knew with a perfect faith that he was the anointed Messiah and that the spirit of God was upon him. He said, now I and myself do nothing, but it's my faith in God. And God was in him, the word made manifest. And when the word of God comes in you, it's made manifest, for you are a believer, see? And a believer, listen, is the faith of God that moves you. Brother Bram says, I like that. I like teaching of how, of teaching of where and how and what faith really is. So that's bringing me to my scripture text. Back to Joshua. Jesus Christ knew who he was for the hour in which he lived. And he had a perfect faith in the faith of God that lived in him because he said, it's not me that's doing the works, but it's the father in me. He's doing the works. Are you following me? It wasn't his faith as a man, but it was God's faith living in a man that made that man the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And the bride has now come to the same spot. It's not to be our faith. It's not to be what we humanly produce, but it's what God's word has brought to us by revelation and by a new birth of the Holy Spirit and by individuals having something in them that gives them a confidence that the word that God has brought to them was not speaking for another age. It was not speaking for another people. It was not speaking for another purpose. But something in you said he's talking to me. And then you can see what he's promised you for this age. Now, when you look at Joshua chapter one, and this is where I want to close. You look at Joshua chapter one. And I want you to see why I chose this scripture reading. It says, now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses minister, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, rise and go over this Jordan. Thou and all these people. Unto the land which I give to them, even unto the children of Israel. Joshua had come to a spot where he had, he had seen God operate through Moses' ministry. And God had promised all the way from back in Abraham that they were going to take this land. And that God was going to bring them out by mighty hand. And they had seen the prophet of the age come with God's vindication and bring them a message. And not only brought them out, but brought them right up to the promised land, to the border. But Moses wasn't able to go over. But now it was time to actually possess the promise of the age. And God is coming to Joshua and letting Joshua know, you're now at the time 
for the possession of the promise of your age. Joshua had to recognize that. <laughs> and I hope that everyone is hearing this message tonight recognize we're at that hour. We're no longer just here to hear the message. We've come to the hour of possession. You have to recognize who you are. You have to recognize what the promise of the age is. And you have to be able to look at the signs of the time and recognize where you're standing in that age regarding that promise. Watch what God says to Joshua. In every place that the sole of your feet shall tread upon, that I given unto you. As I said unto Moses, from the wilderness and from the Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and unto the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not be any man able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor will I forsake thee. Joshua had the confidence that the same God that was with the messenger was with him. This bride has to have the same revelation by election and by predestination and by the purpose of God's calling. The same way God would not forsake that prophet and allow him to fail, even though he tried to commit suicide several times, even though he tried to leave the field and do different things. God would not let him do it. Why? He was called and elected for a purpose. That same God that was with him from the beginning of his life all the way to the end, that same God is with every elect seed the same way. You're here now for a purpose and God will not leave thee, neither will he forsake thee. But you got to have confidence. He's called you for this hour and your confidence is not in yourself. You will fail him at times. You will do things. He never said you won't fail him. His promise is that he will never fail you. That's the revelation of the election. I want you to watch this. I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage for unto these people shall thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do. Listen, according to all the law which Moses, my servants, commanded thee. So now I want you to watch what God is doing here as we're closing. God is taking Joshua. You don't need another message, Joshua. The message that you receive was perfect within itself to complete the commission to bring them out of Egypt and to take them into the promised land. Joshua did not need another revelation. He did not need another message. All Joshua needed to do was go back to the message that Moses had already preached and stay with that message and allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to him step by step what to do here, what to do there, what to do where. It was all already revealed in the message by the messenger of the age. You and I are in that same spot right now. There's so many people looking for a new revelation or something new fancy or an eighth messenger or some great ministry to rise up. We've already had the vindicated message of the hour. God now just needs believers that can look at that message, recognize that they're in the hour by that message, and by the Holy Spirit walk step by step, not getting ahead of God, but step by step as the Holy Spirit is relieving, revealing by that message who you are, what you've been called to, and the things that are taking place right around you. Let me keep reading. Turn not from the right hand unto the left, that thou mayest prosper. I love this. Wheresoever thou goest. Don't deviate from the message. Just stay with it. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate. I like this. Meditate therein day and night. Why meditate in it? That thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. You know, 
I'm saying this in closing. There's so much that God has waved at us, waved at me over the past 20 years, watching this message come to pass, watching the word of God and the Bible come to pass. And there's so many things the prophet said, and we see something and go, oh, that's, that's powerful. That's what Brother Branham said. And, and one thing comes to pass after the other, and one thing comes to pass after the other. But it seems like in the past five years, the Holy Spirit has been waving thing after thing after thing after thing. And it seems like the prophecies coming to pass gets more intense in terms of the frequency of what's happening. And nothing was like 2020. There was a lot of things coming to pass. I didn't think we were going to make it out of 2020. I said, it's time for the bride to go home. But here we are, 2021. And then I watched the inauguration. Well, I didn't, excuse me, I didn't watch the inauguration today. I was actually home preparing for the service tonight. But while I was actually uh, on one of my breaks coming out of my prayer room, I got a text from a brother, and he sent me a picture. And it was a picture of Kamala Harris being sworn in. In a picture she had on a purple dress. And we know according to prophecy, Brother Bram said there was going to rise in this country a woman. He said, a beautiful woman. He said, probably the president or vice president. He said, she'll be some great office in the United States. And then I thought about another prophecy concerning the same thing. And it was out of Daniel 70 weeks. And Brother Bram says this. He said, now I predicted... And have said, I saw a great woman stand up, beautiful looking, dressed real, highly royal like purple. And got little parentheses down here. She was a great ruler in the United States. He said, perhaps the Catholic Church. A woman, some woman, I don't know. It'll be the Catholic Church. I don't know. Can't say. Only thing I said, I seen the woman. That's all. And when I saw her in that photograph, I only thing I could type back was, no, she didn't. I said, she stepped right into what that prophet said would happen. Now, as for me, I just give you my opinion. I'm not one here to try to interpret the prophet's words. He didn't try to interpret it. He said, I don't know what it means. All I can tell you is what I saw. And the only thing I'm reading to you is what he saw. But I believe that the Catholic Church is ruling over this nation. But I also believe that these details, this prophet came and described what he saw in the vision. I do still think those details can come to pass. And I just think another one of those details slipped right by a lot of people today. What is it? God is warning us, church. It's like Brother Bama said with that little child. He said, God just keeps waving that little, that little child. That mother was trying to wave that little toys of the child, and the child wouldn't respond. Brother Bama said, what was it? He said, I looked at that little child that wouldn't respond to mama's toys. He said, God has been waving every promise at the church, and she just still acts like she's asleep. She doesn't recognize what's going on. He said, it's later than we think. All I'm trying to say, church, Let's recognize God is trying to warn us. It's time to go home. Everything is folding over and it's folding over fast. How long is it going to take before it finally folds over? I don't know. Could it be a couple of days? Could it be a couple of weeks? Could it be another year or two? I'm not here to prophesy and say what it will be. But all I can say is I feel an urgency. Church, it's time to go home. If there's anything that's condemning our heart, that's preventing us from walking with a pure conscience before God, if there's something that's hindering that, if there's ever a time you want to set something aside and get it right, I say now's the time to do it. Because when that door comes, there won't be any blood to make it right. So while there is blood on the altar, I'm saying let's, church, let's be real sincere. 
Let's make sure in order to have that perfect faith to believe who we are and to believe that the Holy Spirit can bring in us what God has promised for this age. Let's make sure that we've let aside everything that's hindering us, that's causing us to be slothful and sleepy. Say, Lord, just shake me. Do what you got to do. But, Lord, let me get my heart right that there's nothing between me and my almighty God. And when that takes place, church, you can rest assured that whatever promise is laying ahead, God is able to flow through you and bring that promise to pass. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for the word of the age. We thank you for a word that's able to bring a bride in this hour, not just to faith in God, but to the faith of God, a perfect faith living in the heart of your elected children. Lord, we have our good days. We have our bad days. We have our days that we feel like we're bride, and we have our days that we wonder. And Lord, that's just a natural man Satan wearing down. But Lord, if there's really faith on the inside, there's something that can rise up that said, yes, there's still an anchor that's holding. Lord, let us come in contact. Let us be in full connection with that anchor. Lord, if there's anything in our lives that's hindering, Lord, I'm asking tonight in the name of Jesus Christ, forgive us. Let us lay aside this world and its cares. And let us look to your word. Let us be more sincere than we've ever been. Not looking to what we're able to do, but Lord, to bring us to a full assurance of faith of what you've already done. And then enter into a rest, knowing the works were finished before the foundation of the world. With every head bowed and every home. If there's anything in your heart tonight, anything you have need of from God, just bow your head where you are. Talk to him from your heart. Say, Lord, I need you. Lord, I found myself in this position. Maybe I found myself in this condition. Maybe I've let some things go that I shouldn't have let go. Or maybe I'm too involved in something that I shouldn't be involved with. But Lord, whatever the case might be, I'm coming before you now, Lord, and I'm asking your grace. Lord, may you look to the hearts. Everyone's praying real sincerely. Lord, your hearts, Lord. May you grant them according to their desire. May revival enter the individuals. May revival enter into our homes. May revival enter into our lives, Lord, that we can see the promises. And if there's anything hindering the promises, let us see what those things are that we can lay them before your feet. And Lord, confess our faults, knowing that you're faithful and just to forgive. Lord, let us rise in victory, knowing that you've already won the battle, O Lord. All we have to do is believe that the battle is over. Bless all those that are on the prayer list. God, may their homes be anointed by your spirit. May fear depart. May nervousness depart. And may faith in your word rise, O God, to the occasion. Lord, I pray the same for my home. Lord, this affliction has been upon me for a while. But, Lord, I still make my confession in the one that's died for my sins, in the ones by whose stripe I've been healed. You're my healer, Lord, and I commit my life unto you once again. Lord, bless this tabernacle. Heal his members speedily. May the joy of the Lord be back in this building, Lord, soon. And may they be able to worship freely in spirit and in truth. Lord, worshiping the one who's their savior, their creator, their healer, their provider. 
Lord, that's you. We thank you tonight. And we ask your grace upon us. In all your favor, we want to say thank you, Lord. In Jesus Christ's name we ask it. Amen. Amen. May God bless your church.